Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. excited today if you're visiting with us as we start a brand new message series entitled Love Stories. And uh, guys, just giving you a heads up, uh, it is February. And believe it or not, uh, you guys still have a little bit of time to be thinking about uh, that wonderful Valentine's Day to be able to uh, bless your sweetheart, so to speak. So I'm just giving you a fear warning. And we're going to take this month and we're going to dive in um, to some amazing authors who have penned scripture and uh, God's word and what it really, really talks about because the truth is, is love is a, a very, very difficult word to get your, your hands around, isn't it? Um, in fact, if you were to say um, love to somebody, they really, really um, are going to think through it through a filter of their own perspective. A lot of us maybe grew up in a home where we saw a great example of love. And so when you hear the word love or you see different things, you're, you're just, oh, no, that, that's just incredible. Some of us, though, if you grew up in a very difficult childhood, maybe you have a, 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 a messy family like pretty much all of us do, um, but maybe you grew up in a blended family. And maybe the kind of love that you saw, there are different examples of. Um, here's the good news today. And for you type A personalities, I'm going to kind of tell you where we're going. Uh, we're going to really try to unpack today um, the true meaning of what it means to love. And in fact, what does what what God really intend us to do? And so I'm excited um, whether you are currently married and maybe you think that nothing could be better and you're in the best marriage ever. Some of us, though, that are in this room, you might be single adults. Some of you, you might be divorced. Some of you, you might be in a marriage and you'd say, you know, Terry, it really is not roses, so to speak. Here's the great thing about it. I think that all of us can learn specifically from this passage of scripture, what it truly means to love. And uh, I've got some disclaimers and I'm going to share a little bit later, but you know, just to kind of kick things off, um, there, love is so interesting because I know growing up um, many times when, when you were looking for love, uh, you would kind of look in different places and, and we all kind of, you know, go through emotions. We, we look at friends and we say, oh, they're so cute. I hate them. You know, and we're like, oh, you know, I, I, I wish I had what they had or, you know, or, you know, a big culprit in today's culture is TV or movies. And we sit there and we watch a movie and we're just we got tears in our eyes and we're just like, oh my gosh, it's just so perfect. My life is terrible. And, and, and it's tough. Love is really difficult. And I remember back during a time when, when I was going, when I was young and I was in high school and, and like most high school, you know, you go through, you're looking at it and you're feeling kind of sorry for yourself. And if you're in that place and maybe you know what it's like, you kind of get to that place where if you don't have someone to love and, and you, you kind of get down in the dumps, you compare your worst to someone else's best and you sit there and I, and I know this is my move. You know, I would, I would go home for whatever reason. Reason when, when we don't feel loved or we don't feel like we have love, we kind of want to shelter everyone away. Have you ever been there where all of a sudden your friends call and say, hey, you're coming out with us tonight. No, I'm not. I'm staying home. I'm eating ice cream. I don't care. I mean, we get that. Why do we do this? And so for me, I, I would come home and my move is, is I would go ahead and get my favorite blankie and I'd put it on and, and uh, you know, don't judge. I know you're right now judging, but you go ahead and you get your Snuggie out and you got your Snuggie. Why are you laughing? 
I just need something to encourage me. And you get your Snuggie and, and you go ahead and, and, you know, you sit there and you turn on, you know, my, one of my favorite movies. I, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Um, you're allowed, I think it's somewhere in scripture in the book of Terry, where you're allowed to have a, a movie actress romance. You know, you get in your mind, you can think, oh, I love her. I love her. Yeah, yeah she's awesome. Um, Meg Ryan was mine growing up. And any movie with Meg Ryan, I was like, oh, she's so cute. I love her. It's amazing. Meg, my Meg, it's awesome. And so I can remember sitting on the couch. Don't judge me. I can remember sitting on the couch. And all of a sudden I'd be looking at Sleepless in Seattle and go, oh, so romantic or, you know, or why you were sleeping. And I mean, it was in Chainsaw Massacre. No, that's a different kind of whole genre. But I remember just sitting there and you get your snuggie on and you get all tight. And I'd be boohooing by the end of the movie. I mean, it was a pathetic mess. But I, I mean, I literally, I remember a time in high school where I would just sit there and I'd be like, I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. I want to know what it is. It just, oh. Take a little time, a little time to think things over. I better read between the lines in case I need it when I'm older. Now this mountain I must climb feels like the world upon my shoulder. But through the clouds I see love shine It keeps me warm when life grows colder In my life There's been heartache and pain I don't know if I can going to happen here at church. And I want to thank you in advance, all of you who are snapping pictures and are going to put it on social media later. I appreciate that. But it's a question for a lot of us. And here's why, you know, for some of us, we might think it's, I've got to get rid of the bear. I mean, really. For some of us, though, we think, well, Terry, that's easy. I mean, love is just, it's really easy. It's what we see. But you know, the truth is, last week, if you were with us, we had a missionary on from um, Eastern Europe, and he shared the fact that you have a, a group of pastors 
in Bulgaria in the church that's only 15 or 20 years old. And you have all these pastors last year where we taught about what love is in marriage in the first time. And they soaked it up because they had never really understood what God has to say about love. And so today we're going to jump into a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. Ephesus is in modern day Turkey. And Paul is writing in the first chapter, he talks about what it means to be children of light and what it means to be the church and what it means to be brothers and sisters of Christ. And he continues on and he's going to ultimately get to the fifth chapter. And in the fifth chapter, he's going to then begin to address what it truly means to love. And so uh, to answer that question that Tangina is saying, I want to know what love is, we have a pretty good place where you can find that out. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Ephesians chapter five. We're going to begin in verse one. Or you can follow along on the screen up here. But let's take a look and see what Paul has to write about love. It says, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children, live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. I want you to focus on those first two words and... um, And for Christians in this room, if you're not a Christian, I just want you to lean in. But if you're a Christian in this room, a believer in Jesus Christ, you follow him with your life, um, those two words mean something to us because it's, it's really a command to us. It says in everything in our life, if you want to think about what it means to love, love your spouse, love your family, the first thing that you need to do is imitate God. Now, the great thing about that word imitate, if you look at it in its original language, imitate means to become. And here, here, let me kind of break it down even more. It means that every day that I get up, that Terry gets up, and every day that he starts his day, one of the primary things that Terry has to think about is, Terry, today, your responsibility, before you even say hello to your bride, before you say hello to your children, before you say hello to your friends, your family, your neighbors, is, is that you need to become more like Christ today. That in order for you, Terry, to understand what it means to give love, that you need to become like Christ more and more. What I love in the language, it actually means this. It means if you are trying to understand and trying to give love, it means that you are every day trying to be like Christ. That when you sin and you fall, you turn around the next day and say, God, I messed up yesterday. Today, I'm going to try to be better. But a lot of us, we don't look to imitating God for love, do we? When I were to ask you, where did you learn love from? Where where was your greatest examples of love? How do you model your marriage? How do you model your relationships? Students, when you see others, when you think about what it means to love someone else, what do you think about? Some of us, we think about mom. We think about dad. We think about friends. There's a danger in our culture today as we look at movies or we look at TV. And I just want to tell you, so many times people watch a movie and they all of a sudden compare the best of Hollywood has to offer to their current relationship. And here's the thing about Hollywood. When you have a movie, you have two actors that are pretending. And then after the scene is done, you have a director that comes in and says, cut. In real life, there's no one coming into your room and saying, cut. It's not real. Some of us, we focus on ourselves. Love is about me and about making me happy. And so right off the bat, if you want to know what love is, it starts with imitating God, becoming like him every single day. We're going to come back to that a little bit later. But Paul continues on, and this is in verse 21. He says this, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm going to give a disclaimer. Right off the bat, there's a lot of people, when you see that word submit, you're like, oh, time to tune out. Students, you live in today's culture where this is even more prevalent. 
where submission, that word, is not in today's culture. And in fact, any time outside of church, if you're not a Christian, when you hear that word submit or submission, you're like, nope, no thank you. I don't want to be a part of it. Well, here's the thing about the word submit. And let me give you an illustration. I once had a friend and we were going out um, after dinner and all of a sudden they, they knew that I liked ice cream and went to Cold Stone Creamery and he walked in and he, and he knows that, you know, I didn't want him to pay or anything. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I've already paid. So you need to go ahead and you need to pick what ice cream you is. I think you like chocolate chip. So you're going to get chocolate chip ice cream because I've already paid for it. Now I have a choice at that moment. I can either choose to say no and reject that offer. Or I can submit to that offer and say, bring it on. Can you guess what I did? I'll submit to that all day long. You want to take me out for chocolate chip ice cream? I will be there. I will submit. There are some of you ladies when you go out to a restaurant and all of a sudden there's a nice man who all of a sudden takes the door and opens the door up. I haven't met one lady who comes in and looks at me and says, you jerk. How dare you open the door for me? That doesn't happen. Instead, what do they do? They come, oh, well, thank you very much. He's chivalrous. And they usually smack their husbands because they didn't get the door for them. But submission, sometimes submission is not bad. It's the context for which we're talking about. So right off the bat, and I wanted to stop here because when we get to this, we're going to get to this word again. And I want you to understand the word submit is not the bad word. When you take it out of context, though, that's when it can become a negative. Now, Disclaimer for ladies in this room. I'm about to get into a passage of text that unfortunately has been used out of context several, several times. And this scripture is not meant at all, at all, to place ladies in a submissive form at all. And I purposely wanted to teach on this today because I wanted to bring insight and light for a lot of our ladies in the room. If you're not a Christian, I want you to lean in because the church gets a bad name because we deserve it, because we've been teaching certain things a certain way and we get a black eye because of it. But Paul is going to write to the church and he's going to have a message for marriage. And again, if you're single in this room, if you're divorced in this room, again, I want you to lean in because I want you to really look at the love relationship that Paul is writing about. Don't get lost in this. And so all of a sudden, Paul is going to directly talk to ladies. And so ladies, as you read this, here's your promise to me. You're not going to lean out. You're going to lean in and you're going to wait for me to be able to explain. Deal? I, I like them. Thank you from the back. I really appreciate it. This is the participatory part of our program here today. I appreciate it. But I hope that you lean in. Ephesians 5, 21 through 24. He says this, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. Now, ladies don't like that in today's culture. And let me tell you why, and let's just be real in church, because sometimes we can just put a Christian bow on it and call it perfect and beautiful. But I've seen a lot of Christian marriages. Some are wonderful. Some are worse than if you're not a Christian. And there's a lot of ladies who live in culture who have been domineered because of this passage in a difficult marriage. And they look at God and say, God, you want me to submit to this? Let me just say something on behalf of God. God never intends you to submit to any type of abuse whatsoever. Whatsoever. Because that's not what Paul is writing about. And that's why you really need to understand the context. If you're not a Christian, lean in. Because Paul is writing and saying, hey, ladies, 
if all of us are doing what we're supposed to do, and I want to draw you back to the first passage I mentioned. If guys, girls, ladies, if we're waking up in the morning and we're saying my first responsibility in the context of what Paul is writing is that I need to check myself before God. And so if husbands are saying, you know what, God, this morning, in order for me to love my wife, I need to go and become more like you. And so I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to try every day I'm going to fall, I'm going to sin, but I'm going to turn right around and I'm going to apologize and I'm going to repent and I'm going to say, honey, Pookie, I'm sorry, I need to be better and I'm going to be more like Christ because I want to imitate God. And ladies, it's the same thing. Honey, I'm sorry, I need to imitate God. And in that perfect context, he looks at wives and he said, wives, I want you to submit, which means to receive that which your husband is giving. And we're going to learn what husbands need to give in just a second. But he gives insight, doesn't he? And he talks specifically about what it means to truly love because he mentions Christ. Submission does not mean inferiority. I want you to circle that. Submission does not mean inferiority. In fact, marriage has nothing to do with being greater, lesser, or equal. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to prove it to some of our Bible study students. Marriage has nothing to do with being greater, lesser, or equal. Do you want to know why? It's because back in the book of Genesis, and I wish I had time to go back and unpack, but we don't have the time. But what I can tell you is in the book of Genesis, God described what marriage looks like. And when a husband and a wife come together in marriage, they are no longer two, correct? They are one. So if you're one in a marriage relationship... It is hard for one to be greater than one. I'm going to say that again for our math people. This is the math. I I got one smile on the back. You got that math problem. It is very difficult for one to be greater than one. Did you get that? I'm so proud of myself. Math. Some people have no idea. You're history majors like me. But yes, that that is a math problem. Because God looks at us no longer as two individuals, but he looks at us as one and he doesn't sit there and say, ooh, I want you to raise your side up a little higher. And you're, Because submission has nothing to do with inferiority and marriage has nothing to do with one being greater than the other. Marriage has everything to do with being one. And so ladies, when Paul writes that, he's not telling you to submit as if you are inferior to your husband. That's not what he's saying. And in culture during that time, absolutely that would have been the case. Because culture during that time, unfortunately, ladies and women were property and they were treated as such. But Paul actually wrote a very challenging lesson. So hang on, ladies, because I want you to see what you were to submit and receive. Take a look at what Paul says specifically. This is what he says about ladies. Then the Lord God said this in Genesis 2.18. It's not good for the man to be alone, so I'm going to make women, women, to be a helper who is just right for him. I have righteous jealousy for ladies. I don't know if that's biblical or scriptural, but I'm just going to coin the phrase, righteous jealousy. Because ladies, in this one passage of scripture, you are elevated to an incredible position. Students, ladies, I want you to lean in and I want you to never forget this. If you're single and you're going to get married one day, I don't want you to ever forget this when you're in premarital counseling, okay? And I want you to hang on to it. Because in Genesis 2.18, it says that he, God says he'll make a helper. The word helper means this in the original language. It's ezu. Ezu, it's a phonetic, is the word E-Z-E-R, helpmate. Do you know in the Bible, students, 16 times that word is mentioned? 
And in the 16 times that it's mentioned, it refers to how God was a helpmate to his people. Now take that and soak that in. That God says, I want a woman in marriage to be like me in my relationship with my people. What an honor. What an incredible honor for ladies. You think God intends to say that you're inferior? Absolutely not. But I do believe that we all have roles And I like to call them core roles within marriage. I'm not talking about cooking and cleaning and doing the dishes. I'm the dish cleaner in my family. Proud of it. But I do believe that husbands and wives have core responsibilities based upon what Scripture says. And so the core role for a wife looks like this. It means, like we talked about, to give guidance, to give wisdom. To lead towards success. Like God was a helpmate to the Israelites, a lady is to her husband in a love relationship. Ladies, what an amazing position God has created for you. And it gets really tough on husbands. And so ladies, hold this thought. Paul said, I have to submit to this jerk next, I mean this guy, wonderful man next to me. I want you to look at what Paul is referring to when he says, ladies, you are to submit to this. See what he has to say. He says, for husbands, this means love your wives just like Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Now, the great thing about being a guy is, let me speak from a guy's perspective. When I read that passage of scripture and I see I need to love my bride as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? If you're not a Christian, you need to understand this. The church are the people. The church is not a building. The church are the people. And so in essence, what Paul was saying is, husbands, you are to love your wife enough that you would die for her. Because that's what Christ did for us. But now it gets worse than this. And I say worse because it becomes more difficult. Because it just wasn't that Jesus died for the church. Jesus died for a sin-filled church. Because when Jesus went on the cross, he looked into my life, he saw my sin. And think about it, he is God, he is perfect, he is infinite. I am finite, I am sin-filled, I don't deserve it. And he willingly went to a cross to die for me, to elevate me. So husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which means this, that you are to love her so much that no matter how much she sins with the context of ladies that you wake up every day and say, I want to be more like God. I want to be more like God. I want to be more like God. I mess up, but your husband is there to elevate you and say, honey, I love you. I forgive you. What can I do today to make your life amazing? What can we do today to honor God? Ladies, if you had to submit to a person a husband, a boyfriend, if you had to submit to that, you'd be like me at Cold Stone Creamery with chocolate chip ice cream all day long. Husbands, it's tough. Do you know, it's sad in our culture today. 
in the church. The church is made up a majority of women. And that's a sad indictment for guys because we lost our way. The truth is we have a role and a responsibility within a love relationship and marriage and it goes like this. We are to bring security. We are to build support. And we're to have direction. I'll share this one last thing. You can ask any counselor, marriage counselor, if you were to sum up one word for each relationship, what is the one thing that a a wife needs more than anything in a marriage relationship? What's the one thing that a husband needs more than anything in in a marriage relationship? It would go like this. For ladies, the number one thing that they absolutely desire more than anything is security. And now pin that against what Paul writes. Ladies want to feel secure that their spouse every day is saying, I want to follow God's leadership in my life. I want to be more like Christ. And ladies, if you are submitting to someone who says, I want to be like Christ, and which means that I will die to elevate you, then you're in a great position and you feel really, really secure. For guys, it's very simple. Guys want to be trusted and respected. And so see how this works together. If all of a sudden a guy is not pulling his weight and he is not imitating God and he is not growing more toward God and all of a sudden a lady is looking and trying to, trying to trust and trying to respect but watching the direction go in a south way, all of a sudden the lady says, Honey, where are we going? Why are we doing this? Don't you trust me? Don't you respect me? And all of a sudden that one relationship begins to tear apart. Paul was pretty smart when he talked about the roles that if we both imitate God, if we both handle our core responsibilities, there's harmony within a love relationship. I'm going to end like we began, and I want to show you this passage. This is Ephesians chapter 5, and this is the first thing Paul says, and I want it to sit. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his children. He died for you. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I close with this. There are some of you in a really difficult spot, and I know it. And when I look at that, I go, God, it's hard. He he knows it. But in those moments, we have to look at that passage. And what God would speak into our hearts is say, Terry, what's your responsibility? Imitate me. Wake up in the morning. What should I do, God? How can I be more like you? And what I love in this passage is he reminds you and me. Christians, lean in for a second. He reminds you and me of what he did for us. Because there are times when I look at God and say, God, I don't want to imitate you. It's just I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to. I'm sorry. And those are the moments when I look and say, what right do I have to say no to a God who looked me in the eyes, saw my sin, and still went to the cross for me? It's hard. But what's our action step today? If every wife or woman in this room said, you know what, Terry, today I'm going to begin to imitate God when I get up in the morning. And if every husband and every man decided at the same time, if that happened, there'd be harmony. The sad thing that I know today is there are some of you that are going to leave this place who know that you're not imitating God and you're going to make a decision against your spouse to not imitate God 
And unfortunately for someone in this relationship, they're going to start to imitate him and there's going to be conflict. And my fear is you're going to blame God. God, I did my part and look what mess I'm in. That's why Paul writes, it's one, not two. In a marriage relationship, it takes both. Would you pray with me? Father, you knew my prayer at six o'clock this morning. God, I was so worried about communicating this because there's so many different perspectives in this room. And God, my prayer stands today, Lord, and that is, God, whatever words came out of my mouth, I pray that you would open the hearts of everyone in this room and that you would show a light to the areas that we absolutely need to imitate you. I pray you take every excuse away. I pray, God, for those marriages and those individuals in the room that are struggling today. God, you don't want anybody to submit themselves to abuse And so, God, right now, I pray for the spouse, the woman, the man that's in a relationship that right now is not functional. And I ask for your wisdom, your discernment every single day in their lives. I pray for those that are just struggling, and God, may today be a memory marker of hope to help them every day to get better so they can be the best that you've called them to be. But, Father, may we as Christians truly change culture by showing them that we can have the best love relationships in the world. We love you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.